According to a new report from the CDC, overall life expectancy in the United States has fallen for the third year in a row, the longest sustained decrease in life expectancy since World War I. The main culprit, the ongoing rise in opioid overdoses. Today, we'll explore the ways health issues, including the opioid epidemic, have influenced the way that we build investment portfolios for our municipal impact strategy. Welcome to Bernstein Insights. This is The Pulse, where we cover trends in the economy, markets, and asset allocation for long-term investors. I'm Matt Palazzolo, and I'm joined today by Municipal Impact Portfolio Manager Eric Glass. So, Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Matt. It's my pleasure. So let me just go back to this CDC statistic. Overall life expectancy has fallen for the third year in a row. Here's another one that I thought was striking. In 2017, 49,000 people died in the United States of an opioid drug-related overdose. So that's more than motor vehicle fatalities. It's more than gunshot wounds. It's more than the peak of HIV deaths. So Eric, this topic is near and dear to your heart. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got here, and, and how it shapes your perspective now as an investor. My route to being a portfolio manager here at Alliance Bernstein was rather circuitous. Uh, when I first started my quote-unquote career, I actually ran a homeless shelter or helped run a homeless shelter for three years. Uh, it was a transitional facility uh, for women and their children in East Orange, New Jersey, in Essex County. And to be perfectly honest with you, that was sort of my first love, mm-hmm. uh, something that really for me at the time – aligned with my values, the way in which I saw myself, the way in which I sort of viewed the world and sort of paying rent to give back to communities. And so that was a really important aspect of my life. And I I wanted to sort of continue in that vein throughout my career. Stuff happened and sort of got off that uh, path. And ultimately, I uh, ended up on Wall Street. And to be honest with you, I thought it could be a great way to marry the values that I held as someone not in the finance industry and the financial and investment expertise that I've developed over the years. I know you've called yourself in other forums that I've been with you on an impact investor. What does that mean to you? Effectively, the impact investor is looking at investments from a triple bottom line perspective. Yeah, what is that? So clearly, the first and foremost uh, would be a financial return, Mm -hmm. but also incorporating environmental and social returns into the overall investment process. And so in that role as a portfolio manager, focusing on triple bottom line as an impact investor, you can look at a number of different sectors. Healthcare would be one of them. Is that fair? Yes. So that's most definitely fair. Healthcare is a prominent sector in which we invest. Others include education. So when we talk about education, primary, secondary, as well as higher education, we invest in mass transportation, workforce development, water and sewer, mm-hmm. You know, obviously trying to be a great steward of an essential resource such as water. And we also want to promote uh, through our investments a transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy. So Eric, let's just stick with healthcare for a second. You and I have talked about the state of West Virginia. For our listeners, let's walk through an example, some of the statistics and the challenges that West Virginia faces today from a healthcare perspective. Clearly, the health of West Virginia is being adversely impacted by the opioid crisis. It's pretty much ground zero. Mm-hmm. The statistics are pretty startling. And so I can walk through some yep. of those statistics with you now. And, and these are just absolutely horrific numbers. West Virginia is home to six of the top 20 counties in the country with the largest concentrations of drug-related deaths. Between 2007 and 2012, 
drug wholesalers shipped more than 780 million hydrocodone and oxycodone pills into West Virginia. That's 433 pain pills for every man, woman, and child in West Virginia. Opioid-related overdose mortality rates increased from 7.9 in 2001 to 43.4 in 2016 per 100,000 residents. The U.S. as a whole increased from just 3.5 to 13.3 over the same period of time. West Virginia's death rate is currently more than 3.2 times that of the nation. West Virginia's opioid-related overdose death rate is more than 20% higher than the next closest state, New Hampshire. And the situation doesn't seem to be improving all that much, given that there may be over a 1,000 overdose deaths in West Virginia in 2017, which is far in excess of the 884 overdose deaths uh, that were recorded in 2016. And so, Eric, it's not just opioids, though, is it? West Virginia is worse than the nation on obesity, on diabetes, on hypertension, on smoking rates. I think uh, you have said before that according to the latest state rural health plan compiled by West Virginia... West Virginians feel mentally unhealthy 31% more often than the average American. So, Eric, how is the healthcare industry intervening to, to alter the health of communities like those in West Virginia and getting in there and making the situation somewhat better? So clearly there's the direct delivery of medicine within the confines of the four walls. What is the quality of medicine being delivered to the communities? I think where we differentiate our investments and what we really look for are not only those institutions that provide high quality health care within the confines of those four walls, but actually go into the community and try to make the community healthier. And they do that through addressing the social determinants of health. Okay, so let's dig a little bit deeper. What are the social determinants of health? So generally, when we talk about social determinants of health, we're talking about housing, workforce development, education, early childhood development, food insecurity, violence in the communities. These are issues that on the surface don't necessarily – we don't necessarily associate them with health. Mm-hmm. Yet, if we think about it, for someone who's homeless, how can they remain healthy if they don't have a roof over their heads? If you are unemployed or well below the poverty line, how are you supposed to go out and, and buy healthy, nutritious food? Uh, these are the things that keep us, generally speaking, healthy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have access to those things, it becomes very problematic. So, so let's just take a step back. We talked a little bit about the four walls inside of a healthcare institution, as well as the, the social determinants of health. But the end of the day, you're a portfolio manager. You're sitting on Wall Street as a portfolio manager, and you're managing a portfolio of municipal bonds. You're trying to find investments in the healthcare sector and all these other sectors that will help address the disparate health outcomes between higher socioeconomic communities and disadvantaged communities like in West Virginia. Walk us through an example. Let's make this tangible for the listeners. So the one healthcare institution that truly stands out in West Virginia is the West Virginia University Health System. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what's truly special about what they've done as far as a healthcare delivery perspective is concerned is that the state is rural in nature. And there are so many people that can't access the health institution directly. And so one of the special things that West Virginia University has done is basically developed a telemedicine program, which effectively is over our phones, uh, over Wi-Fi, and being able to deliver services, psychological services, and other services basically online, uh, as well as going out into the community and, and actually sending doctors on mobile medical units into rural communities to, you know, basically if you can't bring people to the hospital, bring the hospital to the people. 
So when you're buying those bonds for the West Virginia University Health System, where is that money go? How does the West Virginia University system use it? Is it infrastructure? Is it build? What is it? So it's buildings. Uh, Effectively, what we're doing is we're helping them build towers. We're helping them buy equipment uh, so that they have state-of-the-art facilities, regardless of the particular branch of medicine that we're talking about. You know, we're having a direct impact on where people go and the quality of the medicine that they ultimately get. Yeah. And so, but you're not, just to be clear, you're not investing or funding interventions or treatments themselves. Is that correct? It's a great question. So no, we are not directly funding interventions, although I will say that that, at least we haven't done that to date. I Mm -hmm. will say aspirationally, that Mm -hmm. is a direction that I would love to go in. Uh, It's one thing to build a building and to create equity, state-of-the-art facilities and equity in that from that perspective. It's also another to sort of really identify what are the truly impactful interventions that we know that we want to scale and replicate and then being able to fund those. Investing in this space is obviously difficult. It's different than most of our listeners know when you go out and you buy a stock because you like the stock and the P.E. ratio is cheap. It's different here. You talk a lot about evidence-based research. Um, How do you use metrics in this sector to understand whether or not you or the organization is being successful? So there's a lot of data to look at and to identify. I think some of the more helpful metrics that we look at from a healthcare perspective, and this is a way to differentiate quality in hospitals across the country, patient satisfaction, Mm -hmm. something as basic as that. Is a patient willing to recommend this institution to their friends or loved ones? Or And that might sound a bit odd, but patient satisfaction is incredibly important, particularly for being able to address someone's health over a longer period of time, right? There's a consistency associated with that. And so only if people are satisfied with the service that they're getting, Mm -hmm. will they consistently go to this institution. Other metrics that we tend to look at are readmission rates, Mm -hmm. healthcare acquired infections, mortality rates, uh, those types of things. And what we're seeing, and this is a big healthcare issue, obviously we have a, a large healthcare issue in, in our country. What we're doing is we're, we're sort of moving away from this fee for service, which is basically you as a, a patient go to a hospital and you have an MRI done on your left shoulder. There's a charge associated with that, mm-hmm. that MRI. We're moving away from this notion of a fee for service and we're going towards population health, mm-hmm. which is about how do we make and keep people healthy? Mm-hmm. It's more of a prophylactic preventative means of healthcare. And so effectively what we're saying is, you know, we're going to give this hospital $5,000. I'm just making up a number, $5,000 to take care of Matt Palazzolo for the year. If you can basically do that and keep you healthy through the year and in so doing, you do it for less than $5,000. Well, effectively you get to keep that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to put pressure on you because if you don't, do it within the $5,000. That's going to be detrimental to your bottom line. What's the role? I mean, we talk a lot about um, escalating healthcare costs. And what's the role that that plays in this new framework of looking at the success of the healthcare system? So we know that when people go to the emergency room to access healthcare, that's a bad start. Mm -hmm. Right. So many bad things happen in emergency rooms. Uh, One, the cost of that service is very high. And the simple fact of the matter is, and this is sort of unfortunate, and it's actually quite unfortunate, but often people get sick in the hospital, Mm -hmm. whether it's through various infections or whatnot. And I think where our sort of philosophy as it relates to healthcare investment 
is about investing in places that ultimately have an interesting business plan. They want to put themselves out of business. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, their success is about having people not having to access the hospital because they're healthy, right? And so that's where you can control costs. Uh, you want to do it on the front end, the preventative end, as opposed to on the back end, which can be so much more expensive and really difficult for healthcare institutions to deliver those services cost-effectively. In the for-profit space, companies and analysts talk a lot about best practices. So within healthcare, how much information sharing occurs from institution to institution? Because if if there is a place that we all want to get to, to lower costs and improve the patient outcome, how much can they cross-fertilize so that we do have best practices within the industry? I think that's a challenge. And I think, you know, every community has their idiosyncratic health needs. But beyond that, at the foundation, there are best practices within the healthcare industry and the hospital sector. And it's about really trying to figure out what those specific interventions, services are, and then being able to replicate and to scale those. So again, back to this issue, Eric, about being an impact investor. I'm going to assume that you're asking these institutions that you've lent to, hospital or otherwise, for a lot of transparency and clarity on what they're doing with your money. Is that fair in, in your role? That's essential yeah. in our role. Uh, we won't make an investment unless we have the disclosure and transparency uh, that we're able to sort of go directly to the issuer and to have our inquiry addressed. Mm -hmm. If they don't or are unwilling to address that inquiry, our investment decision is pretty easy. We won't make it. Yeah. Okay, so Eric, let me try and wrap this up. I think it's apparent that this is one of the fastest growing areas within investment management and financial services for a lot of reasons. But one of the main ones is that you all are seeking a triple bottom line result, right? You're trying to get financial returns, which was always the case. But now additionally, and this is where the true interest is, we're looking for having an environmental and social impact. And so many investors, clients of ours today that increasingly are trying to marry their values with their portfolio can do it and can do it in a way that has impact. No so um, hats off to you. Thank you. So thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of The Pulse. Also, we want to make sure that we hear from you. So email us with all of your thoughts and questions and feedback to insights at Bernstein.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at BernsteinPWM. And please rate us on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So until next time, thanks very much, everybody. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.